Hey, family, this is David Mahan, and uh, there's going to be some sensitive content being shared in this particular podcast, so uh, definitely not appropriate for children. Just wanted to give you that, that heads up. But it could have been anywhere. And the point is that if you get involved in your school district, you're likely to, to find similar things involving the concealment of um, issues that make the schools look bad, um, even if it harms children to cover them up. Um, and this racial stuff, you know, at first it was like, you would write articles about, oh, in X district, Y crazy thing happened. There really is no point doing that. It, it is everywhere. Um, you, it'd be easier to write an article about where it's not, um, you know. <laughs> uh, it, and so this is like critical race theory basically um, says it opposes whiteness, but it def- it redefines words. It defines whiteness as dominance, anything that's dominant. So they will try to, quote, dismantle anything that is, quote, dominant. And welcome to The Narrative, where we're unpacking the toughest issues of the day. Uh, This is Center for Christian Virtue President Aaron Baer here with my co-host, Dave Mahan. Uh, And uh, we've got a great episode for you here today. Uh, Luke Rosiak uh, from uh, The Daily Wire is going to be talking with us. Uh, Luke was the one uh, that really, in many ways, his reporting, and and it's so funny today when you think about all that's going on with the media, uh, but his reporting uh, may have swung uh, the Virginia governor's election. Uh, He was the one that exposed uh, in Loudoun County uh, the the child that had uh, raped, the boy that had raped, uh, two girls in a girl's bathroom. Uh, the boy was wearing a skirt identified as a uh, as a girl, uh, and uh, and the school district had covered it up. Uh, and so again, th- this is one of these things. Again, as we're continuing uh, this conversation around uh, children first, this is again just a quintessential example of where culture had put the needs and uh, desires uh, of the, the, really the desires of adults over the needs of kids. Uh, kids need, girls need a safe environment uh, uh, for private spaces and, and those types of things. And uh, instead, because of this political ideology that's infiltrated our schools, they've put kids at risk uh, again. And I'll just say, Dave, I don't know about you, man, but this story in particular, when I first saw this story, I, I got so angry because there's just a part of it where it was like, of course this happened, guys. You let you you say anybody who says they're a girl go into boy spaces. Of course this is going to happen. Yeah. You you don't you you don't need to be a genius to to understand where this is going to go. Well, a lot of the debate from some of the uh, the left wing media was that you know you are pinning this on the trans community, and this kid does not self identify as trans. Uh, that kind of came out later, and and that really makes the point. Right, you know, exactly. It doesn't matter if he's right. trans. With the the policy allowed anybody who was a predator to access that restroom and put young ladies at risk. Doesn't matter if they were trans or not. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah I, it was interesting to read some of those um, left leaning, um, you know, news articles. Well, and that's again, that's the thing. Uh, all the time, whenever whenever this issue comes up, you will have people who will accuse us and say, "Oh, are you saying all you know trans identifying people are sexual predators and all that?" So, right. No, but that's that's not what your your bill doesn't say. This specific person. And the reality is, even this specific person that you are creating as a class, there's no way of verifying right. it. It's, it's all how somebody identifies themselves. Yeah, with, with all of the human trafficking. See, I find it with, right. with human trafficking, it's, it's an easier way to get the, you know, the general public to understand we've got a, you know, a problem with kids or adults who want to victimize children. 
you know, these guys are busting all of these men who think that they're going to be showing up to a house for young girls and they find the police. Well, that alone lets us know, especially in Ohio, attorney general just had a huge bust yeah. last year and the year before that he had another one. Um, you know, and so to be able to just open the floodgates to, um, you know, any predator that wants to access a female space, whether it's a shower or, you know, a bathroom, like in this particular in, uh, case in Loudoun County, is, is ludicrous. Well, and, and, and to me, the, the thing about this one, too, Dave, that always gets me is it, th- this one is not like the, the, the bill we're dealing with at the state house right now, the, the, the uh, sexual violence prevention one. No, no, not, not the safe fact that the sexual bi- violence prevention one, House Bill 105, yeah, yeah, where, where it's, you know, really there is, there's a nuanced argument to our concern with it, right? You, yeah. you kind of got to dig in like you did. You, and on, if you guys haven't heard that episode, it's a few episodes back, you know, Dave, Dave kind of shows how we dug into this issue and saw, you know, really the heart of this bill, what they're, what the, the people pushing it, their intent is good. But people, when we really dug into it, it's been co-opted by the, the comprehensive sex education people, which right. are the people, the Planned Parenthood and Sikhist people that want to push really this hypersexualized education on kids. This one, the, the thing about this that gets me is this isn't a hard argument. This you, you just say if a boy says he's a girl, he's going to be allowed into girls' private spaces and girls' sports. Like, you don't need a PhD. You don't need to be a, a public policy expert uh, to to be able to to figure out. Oh, this is going to be a disaster. Yeah. And and I seriously, I, I remember when I I saw this, I just wanted to like pound my desk. That we told you this was going to yeah. happen. And and the thing about Luke that you'll hear in this interview is the only way this happened, the only way we know about this is because he investigated it. It right. it, it just so happened that this case happened in Loudoun County, right by Washington, D.C., where the Daily Wire, you know, this basically happened in Luke's community. Yeah. So he was able to dig in enough to find it. If it wasn't for Luke, if it wasn't for the fact that there were, ma- you know, major you know, reporters in the school district able to look into this, we never would have known yeah. about it. Yeah, the the ideology, this this case really brings out the fact that the ideology of of, of you know, gender philosophy is more important than the safety of young girls. Right. Because, you know, a lot of the folks I'm talking to didn't understand that this, this thing happened twice, right? It, it, he assaulted a young lady in the first school. They kept it quiet, yep. right, because there was a lot of policy going on. Starting yep. from June to August, uh, one teacher got laid off because he was unwilling to call somebody, you know, based on their pronouns, you know, and then uh, a teacher, a longtime teacher quit. You know, it, all of this was going on and they didn't want to, you know, pour gasoline on that fire. Right. And so it, he goes to another school. They keep it real quiet that he was a sex offender, basically. Right. And and then it happens again. Right. And so I think this is and, and unfortunately, Aaron, this is going to have to happen a lot to wake people up. Yep to, you know, look beyond just the human shields that are being put in front of us and see the, the bigger, you know, the broader issue that, that we're facing here. And and we could, we could avoid this if adults would just step up and be responsible. And you're, you're going to hear that uh, in this conversation with Luke. So I'm excited to hear you, but here, here, have you all hear that. But uh, I want to get on to just a couple of the, the news topics of the day. Uh, one in particular, actually in this vein, um, that I, I'm incredibly excited about. It's one of these things that, again, this is the type of, courage you know i i was uh telling dave earlier um you know we were this is one of those days where i i've had to tell this say this sentence more times today than i'd I'd like to and this is just the nature of our work but 
sitting across from political leaders or their staff and saying, as we speak right now, there are boys that are having their penises removed mm-hmm. um, for the purpose of gender transition. Underage boys. This is in our state. You know, these, the, there are clinics all over our state, major medical systems that are doing this. And, and again, I, I get so frustrated by, by the, the conversations that uh, too often supersede the very real crisis that's happening of, oh, uh, well, you know, the primaries are coming up or we're going through redistricting here. So we just got to be careful about these issues. Okay, so while we're doing that, mm-hmm. we're just saying it's okay for more kids to get sterilized. Let's, let's make that clear. Well, thankfully, one state governor um, and attorney general, Attorney General Paxton and, and Governor Greg Abbott in Texas are doing something about it. Um, and, uh, and governor, Why is it always takes, right? <laughs> no, listen, here's the thing. This is a whole other series that we volume that we'll have to do, which is that Texas is as a state is actually not that great, <laughs> but, <laughs> the, the, but they do, they have good c- courageous political leaders there. But as a state, Texas is just gross. Aaron's email is Aaron Bear I'm just saying. I know this might be the most controversial thing we ever say on this podcast, but but Texas is just not that. It's it is hot in the summer. It's sticky anyway. Um, but their governor has done something great in that uh, he has ordered his Department of Health to investigate whether these gender clinics uh, are. Uh, are abusing children, whether whether the act of putting kids on high dose cross sex hormones, uh, or puberty blockers, or giving them double mastectomies, or or cutting off their genitalia, um, whether that is child abuse. Which again, I don't know why we actually have to investigate. Right. It's pretty straightforward. It is I, again, like I I I used this analogy the other day. Tell me what the difference is between um, female circumcision in Africa, um, and uh, the, these cross sex uh, general mutilation of kids, mm-hmm. like there there is none. It's it's both adults forcing their ideology on kids and sterilizing and, and harming them for life. Um, but what was fascinating about this, Dave, was that uh, you know they haven't even declared it illegal. But Texas Children's Hospital, the largest children's hospital in the uh, in the country, has shut down their gender clinic because of this. Um, which on the one hand is feels like them admitting, yeah, this is dangerous for kids. Uh, on the other hand, it just shows when you have courageous leaders what you can do. Was the name of that clinic Genesis, the Genesis Clinic? Uh, I, I believe that's the name of the clinic that was shut down. There, there, so there was multiple there. The, the story out of the Daily Wire was was about the, te- the the largest one is Texas Children's Clinic. Now, maybe they call their clinic Genesis. Okay, so, so there's another story where the Genesis, G-E-N-E-C-I-S Clinic, which I thought for the believers that are listening in was interesting, uh, you know, the, there was a group of moms that kind of came together and protested the, the board member's house and they shut down that clinic. But I, I think if you just look at this through the, the scope of what's going on in America, this may not sound like that big a deal. If you look at what's going on in the global scope of what's happening in Europe, uh, you know, where where several of the gender clinics um, are, they don't even have to be forced. They're just shutting down on their own. Because of the data that's coming out that does not prove that any of these therapies improve the mental health of young people at all. And, and matter of fact, the most um, rigorous of all the studies show that it, it actually hurts them. Uh, 10, 12, 15 years down the line, we're seeing suicide, uh, committed suicides go up 19 times. So um, if, if you don't know the broader uh, scale of, of what's going on across the globe, this might just seem like we're picking on, on trans kids. Right. No, and, and again, this is... 
this is one of these things, Dave, again, I, I, I keep on laughing about the story you told me the other day where you were meeting with a lawmaker and, and they looked at us and looked at you and said, hey, is there anything easy you guys do? Yeah. And, and, they, and they were he, asking us for an easy bill. Well, one, on the one hand, you know, we go out and we raise support for this work um, and we want folks to, 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 to donate their hard earned kingdom money uh, to this work. And it's like, let's, listen, people don't need to, to make donations for easy work. Right. Right. Um, but two, especially on this issue, there's two things about it. One, uh, and, and I think everybody would acknowledge this. It's incredibly hard. This this is a controversial issue. People are terrified to speak. I mean, we know good Christian folks, oh, yeah. professionals that are terrified to speak out on this because they're afraid of losing their livelihood. Mm-hmm. So you have that aspect of it. But two, and this is the biggest part about this to me, David, anymore, is that this issue is so much more pervasive than anybody wants to admit. Yeah. I mean, your local children's hospital where, you, where you've taken your kids, mm-hmm. they almost certainly have a gender clinic where they're doing this. Now, whether they're doing double mastectomies and they're doing, you know, the genital removal, that that's, that's one question, but they're most, they're, they're almost certainly doing cross-sex hormone therapy, which sterilizes kids for life. And, yeah. and, and if you look at the lobby aspect of it, they're the ones driving in large part, this entire movement in this country. Right. Right. No. It, so, so, so it, it is massively, massively pervasive. Um, speaking of another uh, topic that's that's really hard uh, for folks to speak into, uh, there's there's been this whole slew of editorials uh, in the Columbus Dispatch lately uh, about uh, about Ohio's HIV laws. Um, and, and again, this is this is one that's that's a little bit more, more nuanced for people to, people to understand. But it's important to it's important when we see these things because what the left has done so well is is the way they frame issues. Really, they try to box you into a corner to go along with what they're saying. But uh, there there was two editorials lately about um, the need to repeal Ohio's laws. Uh, that make it a crime if somebody with HIV sleeps with another individual and doesn't inform them that they have HIV. Um, and their whole argument about this, well, there's there's two things they say that I'll, I'll first give them their, their, their most compelling argument that they make is that um, these laws actually are um, are preventing people from going to get tested for HIV because they just want to say, if I don't know that I have HIV, then I don't have a responsibility uh, to tell the other person that I'm, you know, having casual sex with or whatever. Right. Um, so, so they make that argument. The second one they make, which again is just intellectually stupid, is that this criminalizes having HIV. You know, it, it's it's it reminds me back of when people used to say. Uh, when, when people would say that we legalized same-sex marriage or same-sex marriage was was illegal. You know, same-sex marriage was never illegal. It just didn't exist. But nobody was ever going to prison for saying that they were married to somebody of the same sex. This is the same type of thing. No one's going to prison because they have HIV. But if I knowingly do something to somebody else yeah. and they don't have an option to, to decide what they're, what they're getting themselves into... That is harmful. That yeah. should be a crime. Yeah, it, it could still uh, be fatal. And, yes, and and it, it kind of brings me back. I don't know if you guys remember the the two and a half men uh, thing. It ran about nine seasons, and um, Charlie Sheen um, was basically uh, you know on the show, and he was kind of living crazy, and um, he had all of these. He had a porn star, and then he had some model living in the house, and it was raising his kids and everything. And he got real. I mean, just real woke. He was just out there telling all the cool stuff that he does in front of his kids. Well, it came out that he had HIV, 
and that he hadn't told anybody that he was with that he had HIV. And um, and they basically that's when you stopped hearing the name Charlie Sheen because they kept suing him. So my question is, how do the people who are, you know, being sexually active with with HIV positive folks who didn't tell them, what do they feel about it? Right. Right. What What, what is their side of the story? Um, how do they feel knowing that this person had this disease that could be fatal still? Yeah. Uh, and if not fatal, ultimately, certainly uh, life turn their life upside down. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So, so again, this is this is one of these things where you, you, when we're seeing these stories in the news, um, uh, you know, we, we, we were just talking about this the other day, Dave. When something sounds too good to be true, mm-hmm. um, especially on these issues, People are just terrified to speak out on these issues right now. And we need to because they're going to turn our world upside down. They are turning our world. And they they have so much potential to hurt other people. Like, again, this is... I keep hearing, I keep going back to, to in my mind, of those old same-sex same, same sex marriage amendment, or the marriage amendment days where people would say, oh, what is, what is uh, how does homosexuality impact you? Why do you care? Why do you? Well, now we see it. We see this ideology and this worldview hurting other people, girls getting raped in their bathrooms, uh, people wanting to be able to sleep with other people and not tell them that they have HIV. These, these things have massive impacts. That whole, the whole question of the harm principle is a bad way of, of basing public policy anyway, but you see it even collapses upon itself. Well, that's all the time we got for that. We've got an incredible interview with uh, Luke uh, Rosiak here coming up. We'll be right back here on The Narrative. Center for Christian Virtue seeks the good of our neighbors by advocating for public policy that reflects the truth of the gospel. We empower people like you to have a voice in the culture on the most important political and cultural issues of the day. Through our public policy advocacy, grassroots activism, Church Ambassador Network, Ohio Christian Education Network, and Christian Business Partnership, there are countless ways for you to get involved. Join the movement today by visiting ccv.org or by clicking the link in the show notes. That's ccv.org and click join the network. And welcome back to The Narrative. This is your host, Aaron Baer from Center for Christian Virtue. Uh, when we first started this uh, this series on Children First, uh, one of the first people that I that came to mind and I asked Claire to, to go out and hunt down to, to try to get on the uh, the the, the vo- this volume with us uh, was Luke Rosiak from The Daily Wire. Uh, because really what... what uh, set off a firestorm. There was a lot of things already going on around this, but what really uh, woke up a lot of people to what's happening in public schools in particular uh, and and uh, what's happening to kids uh, was his reporting uh, through the Daily Wire. So uh, Luke is an investigative reporter for the Daily Wire who broke the Loudoun County School Board bathroom rape story widely credited with helping swing Virginia's gubernatorial election. Working with Peter Schweitzer's Government Accountability Institute, he spent two years researching and writing an investigative book on the problems in K-12 schools called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Public Education, released this week on March 8th. The book details the effects of critical race theory and teachers union influence on schools across the country and shows how schools have long operated for the benefits of administrators rather than students, such as using tricks to hide declining academic rigor. Again, these are stuff for those of you who listen to this, uh, this, the, the narrative, this volume, when we talk about the backpack bill and the need for universal school choice, uh, th- this is the, the underlying arguments for it. Um, it follows the, the his book follows the money to reveal how special interests are inter- inserting far left content into schools in even red districts and examines how parents can fight to restore schools to places focused on learning the basics. 
Luke previously worked for the Daily Caller News Foundation and the Washington Post and has appeared on TV shows such as Tucker Carlson and Hannity. He lives with his wife and children in Fairfax County, Virginia. Luke Rosiak, thank you so much for making the time. Great to be with you. So, Luke, I, I want to talk about the book and, and, and unpack all that you found there. But I, I want to start with uh, with the Loudoun County situation, because I think for uh, for a lot of folks who have been engaged on these issues for a long time, uh, especially uh, on the gender identity front, and we've seen these broad policies, uh, broad private facility use, public accommodation use policies that that just say anybody who claims to be uh, one sex or the other has instant access, no questions asked to the private spaces, especially of, of young girls and, and women. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take a, a PhD to say, hey, that seems like a recipe for trouble. Um, and this is this is going to lead to some bad outcomes. And, and your reporting in Loudoun County uh, revealed maybe some of the starkest examples of it. Um, so can, can you talk about uh, what happened in Loudoun County in, those, in the public school district out there uh, with, with ultimately the rape of two different girls by a, a boy in a skirt in, in private girls' private spaces? Um, can you talk about uh, how you uncovered that, what that whole process was um, that, that brought that to light, that ultimately in many ways ended up leading to the, the, the Virginia governor's race swaying from Democrat to Republican. Yeah. So I live in the area and I had been familiar with this, you know, with the goings on of the different school districts around here through my work on this book. Um, and Loudoun is not actually a liberal place. People hear about it all the time. And they think it's like San Francisco, but it's not. And that's what, why it was so remarkable when the school system started doing almost nothing but talking about politics, not education. Um, a year ago, I broke a story about what people kind of call Chardonnay Antifa. Now that's kind of the cute name they've given to it, where there was a secret Facebook group where the school board members were getting together with other top officials like the prosecutor and then teachers and then a couple crazy parent activists to plot to um, harass and silence anyone who questions school policies. And they said they were going to hack them, dox them, you know, figure out who their employers were, get them fired, things like that. And of course, they tried to make it seem like they were going after racist parents. But the sheriff ultimately investigated and he found that primarily they were targeting people that wanted kids to be in school. They had they were challenging the union uh, induced shutdowns, which were went, went on in Virginia a lot longer than they needed to and a lot longer than in other places across the country. So simply because parents thought that in return for paying all these property taxes, their kids should actually go to school more than <laughs> once every two years. Yeah. Um, some of the school employees whose, whose salaries they were paying were personally targeting them in the most vitriolic terms. And so this very strident ideology going on among a very small group of people, but people that had taken it upon themselves to spend all the time to be like in the schools when most parents were just kind of working and busy raising their kids. And, and that's basically to take a step back. I mean, over the last couple of decades, that's what happened is parents were busy just being normal people. And it created this vacuum because we weren't paying much attention to how schools were actually running. Um, and so someone always fills that vacuum and it was special interests. It was teachers unions. It was self-interested people that are employed by the school system or have some particular reason to want to be uh, in the schools. And so that's, that was a year ago today. And then several months later, um, you know, kind of the rape uh, was the next kind of big, big, uh, big happening in Loudoun. So how did you 
Kid, for those who for those who have not heard of it about what happened in Loudoun County with uh, with this with the first rape that you uncovered that ultimately led to a second rape with how the school covered it, can you recount that story and how you came to to find all of this out and expose it? Sure. So um, the media really latched on to this idea that parents getting involved in their kids' schools was bad. And, uh, you know, literally, it's the epitome of democracy. It's people engaging at their most local form of government where, you know, look, it doesn't really matter the average person's opinion about the president or anything like that. But you have there is every reason you should be involved in your schools, because if you're not, who, who is supposed to do who are these schools for, if not parents? Um, and so when parents started showing up at these school board meetings because the schools were closed, because they were doing things that were totally crazy that most Democrats wouldn't even agree with, certainly most Democrats from two or three or four years ago, and probably not now, too. Um, you know, the school board meetings started being chaotic. Um, and there was this famous picture where they actually like arrested a parent at the school board meeting. And they said, well, that just proves the point. These are like domestic terrorists. And the National School Board Association actually identified this guy by name as being one of the people that might be a domestic terrorist. Yeah, he had and, a real angry face on. He, you know, he looked like the, the typical guy they always want to demonize. Older white guy that looked really angry in a, in a T-shirt, that kind of thing. Yeah, I saw that. Picture. Yeah, he was like handcuffed and the you know, yeah. cops had bloodied his face. And so his picture was kind of like uh, it was on CNN. It was everywhere. Um, and so this is a guy that lives not too far from me. And it, he was arrested at the meeting because it's funny. You said it doesn't take a PhD to figure out that it's maybe a bad idea to have girls in the in the boys in the girls bathroom. The PhD, uh, the superintendent was the one saying, oh, no, actually, there is no there is no issue with that. It was the regular people who don't have those advanced degrees who were saying, well, there could be an issue here. Um, so anyway, there was this controversy over a, a bathroom policy where they wanted to give transgender kids access. And that was the meeting where a lot of parents got were really unhappy. And this guy in particular was arrested. Um, so there was a backstory to that that people didn't know. And I did, um, which is that this at the school board meeting, the, the superintendent said parents had said, look, there might be an issue here, a safety issue. And the superintendent lectured them and said, there have, has never been any kind of bathroom assault in our schools ever. Um, you know, we can look to Newsweek. They said it's all made up about transgender. It's a it's bigotry. And so they lectured the parents and they said very definitively there had never been any bathroom assault in Loudoun County. And so what this father knew is that about three weeks prior, his daughter had been raped by uh, in a girl's bathroom and ninth his ninth grade daughter by a boy who was wearing a skirt and a girl's blouse. Um, and so the superintendent lied about it. And, you know, they arrested the not the they arrested the uh, the victim of the father uh, rather than, um, you know, with the with the suspect, with the rapist, all they did the is people covering it up. Different school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they also lied to it about the two. They lied about it to the state. They you know, filed these forms that, that said there had been no no rapes. And so they had lied and, and they had transferred their, the, the rapist. And because they just kind of swept it under the rug, he was able to sexually assault another girl in um, in a in a classroom, too. And so, you know, it just goes to show that there was a level of dishonesty. The sort of the activists were so strident and so intent on getting what they wanted that they were willing to lie and deceive a community and lecture a community and even allow multiple girls to be to be hurt yeah yeah so uh when when you started to uh uncover this you know this is all, obviously all going on in the middle of the 
the governor's race. You know, I, I, I remember early on, you know, hearing Terry McAuliffe was going to run for reelection there. Uh, and uh, it, it felt like, especially because Trump had lost Virginia by 10 points. I, you know, frankly, I had kind of written off Virginia for anyone that, that has been watching, watching Washington. It's basically just everybody in Washington, all the, the sort of bureaucrats and leftists in Washington have said, Hey, it's too expensive here. We've made it too expensive here. Let's move to Virginia. And so I, I had sort of thought Virginia is a lost cause. Virginia is now New York. Virginia is now California. You know, Amazon mute moved out there. It's it's there's, there's no way Virginia is ever going to uh, vote conservative again. Um, but where, where was, can you talk about how this whole situation, uh, cause I think this is one of the things that sh- should be encouraging to people is, you know, out of this awful, terrible situation, something incredible happened, uh, with parents rising up and having bigger impacts than just on the district, but also on the state. So how did all of this play into the, the governor's election of, of Terry McAuliffe losing, ultimately losing to Glenn Youngkin? Well, it's about the schools being captured by special interests, and they like to frame it as this is like all about Democrat versus Republican. That's not what it is. It's a small cartel of special interests, really a couple different cartels who all have their own things that they want to use the schools for, none of which have to do with education. Um, And they got away with it because people weren't paying attention and they would vote in these, um, you know, they just they didn't know who was running for school board. They would vote for whoever was endorsed by the Democrats or the teachers unions because they thought, oh, teachers would probably know more than I do. I don't know anything about the schools. And so when the schools shut down because of coronavirus, they had no choice to get involved. Um, You know, it was really because people could see that we were going other places. You know, you could go to restaurants, you could go, you could go anywhere you wanted. Like you could, there was people working at, you know, Target making like 10 bucks an hour, but you couldn't, these school teachers who are making quite a bit more just wouldn't, wouldn't do their jobs. And so parents became rightfully enraged because it was like, it was cruel what they were doing. It was so selfish. And then of course you had people being able to see what kids were actually learning because they were sitting in their, you know, living rooms with their laptop open, streaming the supposed online learning. And parents saw that number one, it wasn't very hard. They weren't asking you to do really do rigorous math problems or anything. What they were doing, and that's number the, the main problem. And then the second thing is what was replacing what should have been rigor in the fundamentals was this political stuff, this crazy stuff that isn't things that even Democrats, most Democrats believe. It's crazy ideas about race that are really illiberal. Um, and they're obsessed with it. It was they were injecting into like every class, whether it's it's not just like, oh, we, we want to teach about slavery and history. Of course, they're going to do that. They were talking about it in science class. They were talking about it in homeroom. It was all day, every day. Um, and so parents started to see that special interests, of course, have their own desires, but they were willing to deceive. They were willing to harm to get their way. And my view based on my two years of reporting this book is those phenomena have been there for many decades. That's always been the dynamic underlying schools. The difference is once parents started paying attention, everything changed. And so most of my, my neighbors are Democrats and they don't, they don't support school closures. They don't support crazy racial ideas. And they started seeing that, um, you know, kind of what they've been told about Republicans that they're, you know, this cartoonish character caricature that they're just like evil, like, you know, Mr. Peanut or like a cartoon villain just conspiring to like hate people. Um, you know, it, evil it's Mr. like Peanut. I like that. that was- <laughs> 
um, you know, th- th- look, I mean, the, the Republicans just said we want to get the kids in school and we want to have them learn things. Um, there were debates over the magnet schools. Like we have a really good school called Thomas Jefferson here. That's like the number one rated math school in the country. And they got rid of the math test to get in because they there was too many Asians succeeding. And it's like we people do value, especially these fancy bureaucrats in the DC area. They understand you have to know math. You have to be competent. Merit is a real thing. Um, and any, if, if this is what the, the, the strand of sort of Democrat that has is operating in the schools, it's something that parents were happy to reject because it's easier to, a, a lot of people virtue signal. So it's one thing to say like, you know, oh, Joe Biden said in the state of the union, something warm and fuzzy about, you know, transgender kids well that i support that it makes me feel good when you are talking about your own daughter in your own local school suddenly it feels different and so i think there was this uh moderating effect of policies being actually having to live with them and see them firsthand that turned a lot of people who are happy to virtue signal about trump or whatever uh into having kind of different views when it's actually like what's going on in my town with my kids Yeah, no, absolutely. So Luke Rosiak, the book is called Race to the Bottom, Uncovering the Secret Forces Destroying American Public Education. We're going to we'll make sure for for uh, all the listeners, we'll have it linked in the show notes. We'll also uh, be sending an email out uh, for that promoted this episode. You'll you'll see a link to the book there. You know, one of the things that you touched on, this is something that we have been talking about for for a while now at CCV um, is is you know, critical race theory in some form or the ideology of critical race theory, basically because of the teachers unions has penetrated every school uh, in, in some form or another. Um, talk about that. You, you put in, you, I loved it. Even in your bio, you talked about how it's even in red districts, uh, you know, and, and th- this is something that, you know, even here is we're working on, there, there's a lot of bills at the state house uh, in Ohio on critical race theory. And the media says, Oh, they're, they're working to ban critical race theory. Uh, but we all know it's not in the schools. Um, talk about what, what you what you saw in working on this book of how critical race theory or how uh, maybe the gender ideology has penetrated basically every public school in America at this point. Yeah, it has. And that's one of the things about, you know, um, like Loudon is just a case study. That's how I always saw that. I mean, I, I wrote about it because it was near me. And I understood that the same dynamics there were the same that you'd see anywhere. And people like, you know, you communicate ideas through stories. So it made sense for me to choose Loudon, but it could have been anywhere. And the point is that if you get involved in your school district, you're likely to, to find similar things involving the concealment of um, issues that make the schools look bad, um, even if it harms children to cover them up. Um, and this racial stuff, you know, at first it was like, you would write articles about, oh, in X district, why crazy thing happened. There really is no point doing that. It, it is everywhere. Um, you, it'd be easier to write an article about where it's not, um, you know. <laughs> uh, and so this is like critical race theory basically um, says it opposes whiteness, but it def- it redefines words. It defines whiteness as dominance, anything that's dominant. So they will try to, quote, dismantle anything that is, quote, dominant. And dominant just basically means what are things that work? And so one of the things they say is dominant is the scientific method, because we tend to use almost all scientists use the the scientific method. It's dominant in that sector. So let's get rid of the scientific method. It is it is a mechanism for destruction. Um, It doesn't 
offer any solutions. It just tear th- tears things down. Um, so it's not about, you know, slavery. It's not about, it, it's not a liberal idea either. It's specifically one of the tenets of critical race theory is um, it's criticism of liberalism. It's an illiberal ideology. Uh, and so this would spread through um, consultants that would travel the country pushing these weird ideas. And these consultants are total charlatans. Um, it's oftentimes like rich guys, this one guy, Glenn Singleton, you know, he went to a, he's a black guy, but he went to a Jewish day school growing up, like a fancy prep school. He went to an Ivy league college and he goes and works on Madison Avenue. And eventually he starts real one having this chip on his shoulder. Uh, I, I wonder if I'm not black enough. And so he decides he's going to start billing school districts, millions of dollars so that he can tell kids how to be black. And it's like, such a farce. I mean, there are struggling kids in the inner cities, but they don't need to be told how to be black. They know it. And right. this guy of all people, he doesn't know how to be, he's got no connection to the inner city. It's like so absurd. Um, so they're really weird ideas. They are um, it, it, basically um, the schools like the ideas because it conceals their failures when it comes to academics. So in other words, I like to stay focused on schools exist for one reason, which is to help kids learn science, math, and writing. Um, the schools are doing a very bad job at that. The All the test data reflects that. But if you can have someone come in and say objectivity isn't real and wanting to get the right answer is an attribute of whiteness and another attribute of whiteness is, quote, worship of the written word. Well, suddenly tests don't matter and it doesn't matter that y- if you are literate and you know you don't need to get the right answer on math scores, so it's okay that your test scores are terrible, and maybe we should just get rid of testing altogether because objectivity isn't real. So there, it's a couple different things. It's the crazy activists who really just want to tear down society, and then it's the embraced by the administrators who have their totally selfish, cynical reasons for adopting it that really have nothing to do with race at all. No, that's right. And, and yeah, I'm I'm thinking it. last week on the narrative, uh, Luke, we had a guy in here is pastor ben douglas and uh he's starting a school in his uh inner city community in columbus ohio uh because he saw you know he put his kids in the in the inner city public schools and and they lasted about a year before he pulled them out because he he just saw the the violence the 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 you know and 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 he's a real big advocate it's it's not even it's not necessarily even that the teachers are bad. Like a lot of these teachers care, but the, the, there's no structure. There's no accountability. Um, the, 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 the people that they bring in undermine the very message uh, that they're trying to, to bring to these kids. Uh, and, uh, and ultimately, you know, the, the, uh, what a lot of States, again, to your point, this isn't just Loudoun County. This isn't just Virginia. Uh, we, we've seen this happen in Ohio where I, I mentioned this last week where we had, you know, we passed the, the General Assembly passes things like uh, a third grade reading guarantee or new high school graduation requirements. And as soon as the data starts coming in on how bad kids are actually doing on these things, they start waiving the standards and they just they, they just, you know, lift because they don't, they don't want to fail a bunch of kids. They don't want to not graduate a bunch of kids, not because of the kids sake, but because it makes the schools look really bad to say, hey, actually, only 40 percent, actually, only 20 percent are going to meet these standards. Um, and so instead of improving the schools, they do what, what you said uh, is they 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 lower the standards or they they criticize the standards themselves as a, as a tool of oppression or racism. Uh, so as, as you were 
researching this book, you spent two years on on the race to the bottom, uncovering the secret forces, destroying the American public uh, American public education. Uh, two questions on on this. One, what surprised you most? And two, what did you see as the most effective solution to deal with this race to the bottom? Uh, probably what surprised me most is how activists have come in through the back door, which is local government, while we've all been focused on national government. So people thought for the longest time that this stuff didn't matter, but there were really savvy people out there who knew that it did and they had a lot of money. And so some of them are like these billionaire foundations, like the Ford Foundation, Gates Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation. And they were dumping foundation. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. They were dumping huge amounts of money into places where that money goes really far because it's kind of like a small beans area. Um, And so local politics actually became nationalized through these groups So the foundations and these consultants who would go from town to town. And then you have the groups that are funded by the foundations like um, Howard Zinn, you know, the Zinn Education Project. And they would make lesson plans that said totally crazy things and just give them out for free to teachers. And the teachers are lazy. They don't want to create their own lesson plan. So they just take it. Even if their goal is not to like, I'm looking for indoctrination, their goal is I just don't want to create my own lesson plan. Someone did it for me. And so they take this lesson plan. Southern Poverty Law Center does the same thing with this group called Learning for Justice. Um, And so what you saw was um, these localities being knocked over like dominoes in this very strategic play by these special interest groups. Um, One of them is called Policy Link. And I just saw them knocking down all the jurisdictions in the DC area one at a time and turning them into puppets that would roll out coordinated projects following a blueprint to do things like busing and all this other weird stuff. Um, And I saw that they were, you know, colonized all these towns, even like there's a town in Minneapolis that has like 350 people in it. And they've been like taken over by policy link. There's like rural counties um, that are totally conservative that, you know, policy link is offering guidance to us and we've created a partnership. And it's like, no, your local government has become a total puppet. And all the people in your town are probably conservative, but they're, you're not, people aren't going to these meetings. They're not in there with the bureaucrats doing these obscure things. So um you know, radicals evade accountability through anonymity. Um, So really crazy people had started doing really crazy things just because they're kind of in the shadows and we're not paying attention. So one of the things this book does is kind of name names and expose how this radical scheme works, because some of the people that we need to be most concerned about, it's not famous people, it's not names, you know, it's not household names, it's not even Joe Biden. Um, It's people like it's people with names like Glenn Singleton, that consultant who's working for over 500 of America's 13,000 school districts. Wow. Wow. So so in in your investigation on this, what do you see as actually viable strategies uh, for people to respond to this, to, for people to actually push back against it? Um, so the first thing is uh, you've got to do the work yourself. You've got to get involved in your town. You can't rely on someone else coming in to save you. Um, because if you don't do it, who's, who's going to, um, you've got to know your school board members. You've got to do that research. Who are their, what's their background, vote in the primary elections for the school board members, vote in the, for, for the general election, run for the school board, um, make these school board elections on cycle. In other words, if your town doesn't have them as like concurrent to like big congressional or presidential elections, they should be, um, they should be partisan elections. Cause they are in effect anyway, if it's, if they claim that school board elections are nonpartisan 
in, it probably just means they're all Democrats and they just they make it unofficial. So we might as well just acknowledge school board administration is partisan and 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 say and say so and be, be aware of that. Um, one thing you need to look out for is the word equity. So people talk about critical race theory. I don't like to use that word that much because although it does come from critical race theory, the school board, the schools aren't going to call it that. They call it equity. It means the exact same thing. Equity is a very, very bad thing. Everyone should stay, stay straight up. They oppose equity. It's not, it's not like saying you oppose equality. Um, equity means forced equal outcomes. And you get there either through bringing the top performers down or by just cooking the books to, make, to, to cover up um, inequality. Um, another thing you need to do is always rely, always ask for anytime they're talking about a policy in, in school boards, ask, how does this help kids learn better? And what is the proof? Um, so bring it back to standardized test scores. Um, they need to be able to prove that this is going to result in standardized test scores increasing. Everything else is fake. Um, when they say, you know, don't teach to the, they, there's, you hear about this thing like standardized tests are like high stakes tests and they result in teachers teaching to the test. That's all made up. Tests are real. It's a reasonable way to measure whether you know something or not. What they want to do is shift to these subjective measures of grading where they can give all the kids A's or even get rid of letter grades and give them like gold stars or whatever. It's just so you can't see whether the schools are working. Um, So, uh, you know, basically, uh, uh, the final thing you can do is one of the reasons that Virginia is bad is not just because, you know, the sort of um, shifts inter- involving federal workers over time. We have these very large districts because of the county system here. It's like counties rather than towns. What you want to do where possible is have small school districts so that parents have a big say and they're not part of this giant bloated machine because we need local government. Uh, what the bad guys want to do is create these giant metropolitan governments or at least these county governments that are massive. You want to have small town government and you want to get involved because you know this is your community. I mean, if, if you don't have a say, then, then what is this all about? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Columbus Public's 50,000 kids and you know, it's a billion dollar school district and, and it's 74 percent chronic absentee rates last year. Uh, and, and, you know, how in the world uh, are, are they supposed on, on the one hand, it's almost you're, you're almost sympathetic in the sense of like, yeah, that's a lot of kids they have to oversee. But that's the system they've built um, to do exactly exactly what you said. And the other thing we we actually talked about this a couple episodes ago was uh, same, same thing we we're dealing with right now. And in, uh, in Ohio, there's a thing called Aaron's Law and uh, some 30 states have passed it. Um, and uh, what it is, it's, it's sexual uh, violence prevention is what they call it, sexual violence prevention. And it just requires blanketly uh, a, uh, you know, sexual violence prevention taught on best practices. And that's all the laws say is, be- you know, they have to do this with best practices and the schools can go hire people to do this. And who are the people that have the best practices on this is Planned Parenthood and CECUS and, you know, all, all the, the the same people that want to teach, they, they just want to get in the school and they get paid. And they do that intentionally. They make these yeah. things that they call frameworks. In other words, we're not going to do the work. We're going to give the outline and then you have to hire someone else to fulfill it. And they know who's going to have the resume to be hired to do that. Right. And so it's a way of steering taxpayer money to activists. Yeah. And they don't have to say who it is. They don't, you know, it just you just have to. They do don't have practices. to. They, they know that it's 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 implied. They know who's going to wind up getting hired. 
Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, well, well, uh, Luke Rosiak, thank you so much for, for being with us here on the narrative. Thank you for, for all of the reporting, uh, that you've done. Uh, again, the book book is called race to the bottom, uncovering the secret forces, destroying, uh, American public education, uh, came out this week, go to, I'm sure it's, it's all over the place for you to get. We'll, we'll link to it, uh, at ccv.org and be sure to, to subscribe to the daily wire to, to read more of Luke's work. Uh, and we'll catch you here next time on the narrative.